Well, hello and welcome to episode 61 of It's Never Sunny in Seattle, a Seattle Mariners podcast. I'm your host today, Evan James, joined by my co-host, as always, Michael Ahedo and Andrew Shorestad. We've been away for a little bit, uh, had some vacations, just been busy in the real world on our end, but it feels good to be back. Um, and a lot's happened. Honestly, like a lot has happened since we last talked. Um, has it, Evan? What, what What's happened? I, I, I'm, uh, I've been out of touch. <laughs> I'm glad actually you brought up the first thing, which was the Luis Castillo extension was kind of like the last thing we didn't talk about. And we can we can right. break that down a little bit when we discuss um, how he's pitched in the postseason so far. Um, but I guess why don't we start off where everybody's head is at, which is in the series that we're going into right now. Um, we're recording this on Saturday morning. So the Mariners are going to play today. It's it's nine o'clock. Mariners are going to play at one. Um, so we're a couple hours before the game, the uh, first playoff home game in 20 years, basically. Um, really exciting for everyone who's going to be there. I know that Mikey's going to be there. Jealous of that, obviously. Um, very cool stuff. But why don't we go to the controversy? Mikey wanted to kick it off with something a little spicy. So I'm going to send I'm going <laughs> to kick this over to Mikey. It's the ninth inning and you're Scott Service and you're trying to figure out how to get the Mariners past Jordan Alvarez and the Houston lineup. What do we do? What do we do there? We know what they did. Um, <laughs> we know what they did. <laughs> so let's see. So you're, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, uh, get the games, you know, whatever. But uh, you had Munoz out, correct, in the eighth. You had Seawald yes. out. They've been using him pretty early. They've been using Munoz in like the sixth, seventh lately. But yes, I think they're trying to assure that they get him against the right hitters. Um, right, they try, they play him against the heart of whatever mm-hmm. order they're facing, which is smart. But <clears throat> so you have Munoz out, and Munoz has had a few hiccups as of late. Um, it's it's crazy, you know. You miss your spot by by you know several inches and home run. Um, the Bregman so, home run was not on a bad pitch, by the way. That was yeah, not, like not a terrible pitch, but all. <clears throat> so you have Munoz out. You have Seawald out, who was looking iffy. So, you know, your options are what? They are Robbie Ray, apparently. Um, Eric Swanson. Matthew Boyd. I mean, is there a fourth option? Uh, Kirby, if they wanted to have Ray start instead. I guess you could do that. Um, even then, even then, uh, I mean, you can, you can throw your starters for a handful of pitches as like their bullpen, you know? Um, so those are your options. And actually, so I talked to an analyst who works for a team not on the Astros, not on the Mariners. What do you think the top two matchups were in terms of how, you know, they're like matchup matrix, how um, uh, you think that they match up against Jordan Alvarez? Based on those options? Uh, all options. Oh. Um, I'm going to guess Seawald was number one. I'm going to guess Brash and Seawald. They're both outside of the top two. Seriously? Yeah. Was Robbie Ray number one? He was number two. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Number one is someone very obvious. Oh, Eric Swanson? Munoz, yeah. (laughs) I, I would imagine that... Well, I don't know. Um... I think there's something to that. Um, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know that that matchup matrix takes into account Robbie Ray was pitching on short rest. Oh. Robbie Ray was throwing how hard he throws, you know, kind of just during the season. Uh, was down at at least you know a tick or two probably two ticks from his previous start and i think that has to do with there's no way you're not coming into the ninth inning against jordan alvarez with you know some crazy adrenaline um 
so I think if it's a normal game, I think if it's, you know, if for whatever reason they did this in a normal setting, I think that he's sitting, you know, like 92. <laughs> so, you know, he does, he, he comes in and, and we've heard what service said. We've heard what I think Ray has said is that the plan, <laughs> it's like Nathan for you, the plan, <laughs> I'm going to make this into a meme. <laughs> The plan, <laughs> throw two two-seamers over the heart of the plate to Jordan Alvarez. Well, that's not a fair summation of the plan. The plan was to throw inside I the know, plate. I know. He missed his okay. spot. So yeah, that was the plan, was to get in on his hands, which I think is a fine play. I, th- I don't remember who it was, like Divish. Um, yeah, they said he had two hits all season off sinkers inside the zone. Which on the inside half of the zone, I mean, which is hard because it's like, okay, what's a sinker? Does Robbie Ray throw a sinker? No, probably not. I'd call it a running two seamer. Does that matter? I don't fucking know. Um, But I think that's a fine plan. I think after that first pitch. I think I've heard, you know, when when you see a guy foul a ball straight back, that means that he's on it, that he just missed it. And if I remember correctly, that's exactly what Alvarez did. Uh, this is like a this is a, a thing that Eno said on Rates and Barrels, which has stuck with me since he said it, I think in like the spring, which is that foul balls that happen early in a plate appearance are a bad sign for the pitcher. And mm. foul balls that happen late in a plate appearance when there's two strikes already are a good sign for the pitcher. Because if they're fouling off early in the count, it means that they've timed it already or they've, they're figuring it out. And if they're doing it late in the count, it means that they're just trying to fight off the pitch because they don't know what the hell's coming. And I think that's right. Uh, if you look at CSW uh, based on, you know, pitch counts, based on how many strikes, how many balls, um, the deeper you get into account, the more strikes that are thrown, the harder it is to throw a called strike or a whiff as a pitcher, which speaks to that. So, yeah, those two things are both very bad signs that Alvarez was on it, that he just missed it. Obviously, they went back to it again. Um, I know that I saw, I think... I don't know if it was in terms of like the matchup or what, but it was basically if Robbie Ray is throwing a fastball, it wasn't going to be in the zone. I mean, if he's going to throw a slider, it pretty much also has to be out of the zone. The two seamer had to be too. Um, and we talked about this with Eno on this podcast where I was talking about his optimal pitch locations and we talked about how like kind of kinesthetically the way that he winds the way that he's turning to uncoil all that, uh, that energy, like Ray is pulling all that to his glove side. And obviously, you know, a lot of pitchers do that, but I think even more so. And I think, I just think that he's prone to missing glove side. Mm. You don't want to miss gloves. Like I would rather he hit Alvarez there. Right. So I really um I I I do think it's a defensible you know, service talked about the process and I think I honestly think that he's right to defend it. But god damn, I really wish that they would have just intentionally walked Alvarez and this is obviously with the benefit of hindsight. I wish that they would have intentionally walked Alvarez and gone to Swanee against Bregman. Um, mm-hmm. Let me pull up Bregman's numbers. Uh, I have mean, they used Bre- Swanson you know, yet this offseason? They haven't used him yet. No. I don't know if he's hurt, but it's it's embarrassing. Uh, I don't know what, you know, their, you know, their level of trust in him is, but... Um, He's been a top 10 reliever this year. And you could argue that he's been better than Seawald. And I think that that would be a, um, <coughs> excuse me. I think that would be 
probably right. And I'm going to look into it right now. But yeah, Breakman's been good this year. You know, 358 Woba. Um, it's going to be hard to strike him out. So I, I'm sure that's not the best matchup. Um, but he pops out a good amount. And Eric Swanson's good at, at you know, getting fastballs above the barrel. Uh, and also throws a splitty. So, wow. I was... I'm going to fucking stop talking in a second, but um, I was in, you know, sessions all day and just checking in in the five minutes in between each session every time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was my last session of the day. I get out and I go straight to my computer, boot it up. Robbie Ray is like just finishing his warm up pitches and like about to whatever and i was like holy fuck and i just tweeted something like okay robbie right here (laughs) yeah let's see it but they must feel great about it and i expected him to be throwing 95 and then he pipes that that two seamer and i was like okay surely a slider here like down and away and then it happened and it, it 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 just like you weren't surprised. I don't know if either of you were surprised, but it, it just felt like not because we're Mariners fans or anything, but it just felt like something that was going to happen in that moment because of who was at the plate and who was pitching. And it just felt, this is what they do. They're really good. This I mean, is what they do, right? This is, this is what they do. He's Alvarez is maybe the best hitter on the planet outside of judge. I mean, by X that they're like equal, uh, he's number two in the American League, for sure. Every other good hitter yeah. in like the top fifteen is National League, but Aaron Judge and <laughs> Alvarez and nobody. I just, I, it, 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 I think a lot of people said it felt cute, and uh, it did feel a little cute. Getting cute. I, Durs, I have a, respond. Yeah. I, have a, I have a few. <clears throat> I have a few points on this. First of all. It's so funny the Mariners now have their their should have handed the ball to Marshawn or Bernie would have won moment. <laughs> I hate it. I fucking hate like it. Like that that's what this is for the Mariners, right? Um we're going to debate about this endlessly, especially if and you know, I know I we all recognize that you all who are listening to this show right now are listening to this most likely after game 3 has been played. We obviously recording this don't know the result and you do and at this point that you're listening, we know the results. So hopefully, you know, we're trying to keep this all relevant conversation regardless of the, of the outcome. But I think that whether they win or lose and more likely if they lose, obviously this will be something that is debated about all off season, which is just, I am not ready for that discourse. Um, but we're providing, you know, we're, we're feeding into that discourse right now. So I just want to say that, you know, any of those pitchers that we mentioned could have done this exact same thing, right? Like you can crunch numbers all you want and Alvarez could have hit a homer off any of them. So like there is no right answer. And that that's especially true when you're facing Jordan Alvarez. It's not like we gave up a home run to fricking um, Jeremy Pena, right? Like this is a guy who hits homers. That's what he does. He hits and he hits really well and he hits a lot of homers. And we saw it again in game two, like, it's a good hitter. Like sometimes you're going to lose to good hitters and it doesn't really matter what the hell you do. Have you but seen secondly, what his WRC plus is in the postseason? Yeah. It's like 184, right? That's in the regular season. Uh, I was going to oh. say it's probably a like factors higher than that. I don't want to see <laughs> it. it. Is, That's HIPAA. It does not start with a three. It starts with a number higher than a three. So we'll oh, leave it at that. Good Continue God. Durs. 34. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the other thing I want to say is, you think about the strategy of it and the matrix that you're mentioning, Mikey, about bringing in Robbie Ray as a good matchup, but the Astros aren't dumb, right? And before Ray throws a pitch to Alvarez, you see Alvarez go back to the dugout and confer with the coaching staff, likely going over the matchup numbers. And the Astros know that the Mariners know Alvarez's weakness is sinkers, right? And you don't go to Robbie Ray, who throws two pitches... (laughs) (laughs) to throw anything else, right? They're not going to pepper him with sliders if they're bringing in Robbie Ray because the Mariners have a million relievers that throw sliders. So if the plan was to throw a slider, they would have put a different pitcher out there. So they very clearly showed their hand, I think, on what it was they were planning to do. 
And they probably said to Alvarez, if it's a break, if it's a slider, just spit on it. And if it's a sinker, you're you're just you're looking for a sinker that he's gonna miss, right? That we know they're gonna try to come inside. If he misses his spot, swing at it. And that's what happened, right? So I think, you know, the matchup numbers are good, but you put yourself at such a disadvantage because you're showing your hand. You're showing them exactly what you're doing when you put out Robbie Ray to face off against Alvarez in this specific situation. So, you know, the numbers look great, but you have to consider the fact that, like, there there is a mind game playing both ways and the Astros know exactly what the Mariners are doing in that situation. So... You know who knows um, benefits of hindsight, right? If 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 Alvarez had popped up, or if he had like just missed it and it flew out to the warning track, we wouldn't even be talking about this, and they could have gotten away with it. So, you know, the odds were in the Mariners' favor and it didn't work, but the odds were in the Blue Jays' favor and it did work. So the Mar- you know, the pendulum swings both ways. Regardless, I think that sometimes you know, and this is kind of what I've been saying, like the Astros are a better team, and. I don't think we have the right to be outraged. I think we have the right to be sad. I think we have the right to be, you know, disappointed, distraught. Um, I don't think we have the right to be outraged because this isn't a situation where the Mariners came in as the clear favorites and they blew it, which it looks like, you know, like the Dodgers and Atlanta are doing right now. Um, The Mariners came in as the underdogs and they were on the road. And I wanted to give this analogy um, I don't know how big of tennis fans you guys are or how big of tennis fans the listeners are. So I, I at risk of tennis explaining to people, I, I when when someone is serving, the statistics favor that person in those points. In every game, the server changes. And so the goal of tennis is to win when the other person is serving. It's called breaking a serve. If you think of it this way, the Mariners so far have lost two games in which the other team was serving because they were in Houston. This is expected, right? But the Astros have to break the Mariners' serve now to avoid going to game five. So the Mariners right now have advantage because they're about to be at home. And now, obviously, if you're listening to this, you'll know if they were successful at that or not. But this is kind of my mindset going into this game is, you know, the Mariners kind of have advantage at this point even though they've lost, they've lost the last two games where it feels like they should have won. I'm not feeling terrible about the prospects of them potentially taking it back to Houston. Now, if they don't, it's fine. I tweeted about this the other day, yesterday, actually. I am satisfied with this season. I've made my peace. This is everything has happened that I expect. My expectations coming into the season were just make the playoffs. And I think I said, if they win a series, I'll be happy. And they did that already. So if they get swept by Houston, it's going to suck mostly because we're going to have to eat it from Houston fans for (laughs) like a season. And I'm not prepared for that, but um, I'm happy with how this season has gone so far. And if they, you know, they lose here this weekend to the Astros, you know, whatever that sucks, but winning world series is hard. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, this is the world series for us, right? Like this really is the hardest season or series that we will play other than the world series. Right. I think that we would, we match up much better against Cleveland or New York. This is the hardest game series of the year for us, for sure. In my opinion, Mikey said, Mikey no. says the Mikey world says series no. is the world series for us. <laughs> Fair. Fair. We I, think, easily... I think what we mean, I think what we mean by that is the difficulty of this series is equivalent to a world series. For our expectations, this is our this is our end game, right? For where well, we were at well, with this team. I, I mean more so like this is this is feasibly the toughest team they could I mean, potentially face in this field. I know that the Padres have been making them look bad, but I think the Dodgers are the best team in baseball. Yeah. yeah. I, I get what you're saying, I guess. Um but I think that this team is very talented and I don't think we should be satisfied. And we could very easily be up two games right now, like very easily. Yeah, but yeah. That, that's not a helpful mindset. Like, I don't think you know, it's unhelpful like they at all. Could have, but they're not. I we can be happy that the Mariners are arguably the second best team in the American League. Like, really, that's where we're at. If they're going to lose to Houston, I might take them over New York. And New York demonstrably played better over the course of a season. But I like where the Mariners are at, and I like us better than Cleveland. I would say we're number two in the American League. That might put us number five overall, something like that. 
that that's a really healthy place for this team to be. But I, I want to park on something real quick before we get past it, which is the bullpen usage, I think is something we should talk about because we're the pitching pod, but also because you guys both mentioned it. And Mikey was talking about why didn't they go to Swanson? I think it's pretty clear given what we just saw and we've, we've seen now four playoff games and the way Scott has managed the bullpen. There's a very clear hierarchy for who he does and does not trust and does and does not want in high leverage situations. And we saw that with his use of Munoz, which was he doesn't trust anybody else. And when the, the situation really called for it, he didn't put in Castillo. He didn't put in Penn Murphy. He gave a lot of those guys mop up duty in the Blue Jays game. Um, and the only person besides that one inning from Munoz in the first playoff game, the only other bullpen guy to throw a clean inning so far in these four games has been Matt Rash. That's it. So I under, I understand the bullpen usage. I think that we're in a bad spot where we have no true lefty to get those outs where we need them. And we really only in these four games have had three relief pitchers who Scott has trusted at all. Everybody else has either gone unused or been used only in a situation where the Mariners were behind. So I think it's interesting. I agree with you. I think that Swanson was very underrated over the course of the year. He had an injury and came back from that and looked a little shaky afterwards, but that was a while ago now. Like it's been at least two months. Um, I think it's something to note that Scott doesn't seem to trust three quarters of the bullpen, right? Like that's, that's kind of noteworthy. I mean, if you look at, I'm just pulled up second half uh, pitch leverage, it's Munoz and then virtually tied and Brash and Seawald are literally tied. It's Seawald, Swanson, Brash. Um, So, I mean, and I think that we've gotten to the point where... um, pitch leverage doesn't tell us everything because uh, it's not telling you the strength of the hitters that you're facing. It's telling you um, more like, uh, I guess, like pitch leverage and like uh, win expectancy. But if we're taking this, you know, into account, if we're thinking about where they're at in later innings, and we've seen him turn to Swanson plenty in the eighth and ninth. Um I don't, I don't know what's happening um, that is making him not trust, you know, Swanson more than other pitchers, but, and I don't know if that's true. I don't know what's happening. Um, <clears throat> I think it's somewhat likely that they are playing matchups and that um, it's just kind of gotten out of their hands. Uh, you know, they've just been unlucky, but like, I don't know. Um, it, if, if you're not going to pitch him, if you're going to pitch literally Matthew Festa and Penn Murphy over Eric Swanson, maybe don't carry him onto the postseason roster. Like, I don't know what they're looking for. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's true. Obviously Munoz is, is Munoz, but, um, in terms of pitch leverage, he's 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 used Swanson just like Brash and, and Seawald. I'm kind of surprised the degree to which he's used Matt Brash because I don't have the confidence in Matt Brash that service seems to. Like I think Brash is a very effective pitcher, but he's not he's not someone I feel safe with in a close game. And that's kind of what it seems like service does feel safe with him in a close game. So I wonder what that says about Brash's future with the club. I mean I think we've talked ad nauseum about is he going to be a starter or not? And I've kind of settled finally on the not camp. And I think that this is a fair demonstration that the Mariners feel the same way because I feel like they wouldn't be prepping him for all these high leverage situations if they were going to make him a starter again. But they seem to really trust him as a reliever, which is I think is a really good sign. But I don't know if I think he's ready for that yet, as opposed to someone like Swanson specifically. I have, I think, two reasons um one is that again like i think you go based on the situation king leave me alone based on the situation you go to you go to pitchers that that fit in in different um 
<laughs> situations. Uh, Brash, first of all, as a reliever, has yet to give up a home run. And all season as a reliever. Whoa, I didn't know I'm that. I'm pretty certain I can double check, but um, yeah, yeah, he hasn't given up a, a home run since April 29th. Damn, which is pretty wild. Yeah, um, so there's that. There's this game isn't, you know, isn't going to end on a home run. Uh, I think the other thing, well, I guess there's three things. The second thing is that he's good. Um, that he has <laughs> the third highest uh, strikeout minus walk percentage of all relievers. Um, but the other is that, which speaking to my first point is uh, he doesn't allow the ball into play. You know, he, um, so let's see, on the year, well, actually I should probably filter by uh, since seven, nine. So uh, since he's been a reliever, 34% of the time he strikes a hitter out, Thirty or 13% of the time, 30 would be very bad, he walks a hitter, that's 47%. So half the time he's striking out or walking a hitter, um, yeah, and he doesn't give up home runs. Um, so I think it makes sense when you have open bases to, to put brash in. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of the time that he gets put in, there are open bases. Um, and I think the contact suppression is real. We know that sweepers are, I think I've talked about this are more than, you know, these like crazy, whatever pitches, uh, that cause swing and misses They're They cause weak contact. They cause pop-ups. Um, and Brash has done a lot of, you know, he gets hit hard sometimes with the fastball, but um, the breakers don't get hit hard. Can I ask you guys this, which is given what we've just seen, we've watched the Mariners struggle with the bullpen, uncharacteristically so, so far in the postseason. Do you think that there is a hole in this bullpen? Because watching the way that this has all gone down, my primary thought is, they need one more guy they trust. And theoretically, and if you're looking at the roster, it should have been Swanson or Diego Castillo, realistically. But they needed somebody, instead of maybe Munoz the third time or the second time, and somebody maybe instead of Seawald one of those times. And if you had trusted one more relief pitcher in those situations, we might not be here. We might anyway. The Astros are very good. Joran Alvarez is very good. He has... And above 400 WRC plus in the postseason, he's very, very good. But it could have it could have been different. And if you were to, I wouldn't have said that a couple of weeks ago, even a month ago. I would have rolled into the offseason thinking they're pretty stacked in the bullpen. They have the arms they need. I don't know if they need to go out and get anybody. I'm kind of of the opinion now, having watched this, that they do need to go get somebody to slot in at the back there. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're they're kicking Brash or Munoz or, or Seawald out of you know, they're designated roles, but we need somebody else we trust. And Scott doesn't trust the guys who are here. And I can't, nobody can force that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you have to play well and earn Scott's trust. And Scott does trust guys who establish their credibility. Why does he trust Matt Brash? Because Matt Brash has not given up a home run since April. That's it. Like you just got to do it. And uh, he doesn't trust Diego doesn't he never trusted Penn Murphy for the record? Penn Murphy has been in mop up duty all year, despite what some people really wanted early on when he looked pretty good. Um, yeah, we're just a piece short. And you know, Durs was listening to the other podcast. Um, I was on Lookout Landing yesterday, and I just feel like they're a little short. They're just not as good as the Astros, and it's not like a cataclysmic thing. It's it's minute increments here and there, right? Durs, you wanted to respond? Yeah, I. The thing, it's so tough with bullpen guys because year over year they're so different. Last year, I don't think we would have expected that the three guys that we would trust would be Seawald, I think is obvious, but Munoz and Brash should be the other two. I think we would have been like, where's Second Rider? Where's Sadler? Where's, you know, Castillo? Um, so I think specifically what they need, though, is a lefty they can trust because Boyd is not that. Robbie Ray can't be that. 
they need someone and and I think that these are very difficult to find is a left-handed reliever they can trust. I, I think it's less about finding another reliever and more about another angle they don't really have right now. Because if you had a lefty you could trust, you could bring them in instead of Ray, and maybe Ray was uncomfortable in that space, in that spot. So I think that's where I'm at, but I, I don't know who that is, and I don't know where that pitcher comes from. And, and maybe that comes from within the organization, you know, or maybe it doesn't. Um, but that's, I think, I think that's where they need to be looking. I will say. Uh, question. How many lefties do the Astros have in their pen? They have zero. I know that. I don't think that. I don't know. I don't think that you necessarily need. I think you need good lefties, but I think you just need good relievers. Um, I think that's a bad idea on their part, by the way. I think that's going to come back to bite them at some point during this postseason. Maybe they're. I would rather have. I mean, there aren't that many good lefty relievers. Right. So I I think. I know you love Josh Hader, but. Oh, God. Yeah. Um,. I mean, God, look at their look at their pen. And obviously part like a, a lot of their or not a lot of, but like their starters are technically available in relief right now. But it's like it's pretty stacked. Um, and I think I'm very frustrated that Rafael Montero has come back to bite us in such a serious <laughs> way. And that's aside from was... pegging Kyle Lewis and concussing him, which was him as well. So, oh God, it's such an easy thing, too. It's uh, they just had him throw more four seamers. Which I'm pretty sure I I talked about at the time. It's it's a super flat four seamer. I don't I don't know if they did anything to tweak that other than pitch mix. Which again we've talked a ton about the Mariners doing. Um, we got Joe Smith for him, so clearly we came out on top, right? I like Joe Smith. Um, but <laughs> you can you can match you know rather than than doing lefty righty splits, you can. I mean, maybe you can just think about it in terms of. Um, you know, steep vertical. The Dodgers actually talked about this um, and shout out to Robert Orr at baseball Prospectus, but he talks um, about, you know, when you're matching up um, on either side, it makes sense to have, like if you're pitching to Cal Raleigh, you're throwing flat fastballs at the top of the zone. You don't want to throw steep pitches to him because we've seen what happens, what, or what he does to steep pitches. Um, so I think rather than going lefty righty, which does matter, obviously um, that's what you're doing is you're, you're matching up based on swing path and um, pitch and pitcher characteristics against, you know, what those swings are designed to do and what they're, you know, what their shortcomings are. If you have a Cody, a Cody Bellinger swing, you know, um, it can be harder to, to get to certain pitches. So I guess that's what I'll say about them because all the, the Dodgers also only have one lefty and Alex, I think Bessia. Um, he is also very, very good. He's not just a lefty. He's a elite reliever. So, or bur- I don't know, maybe maybe tier B or even C. But um, yeah, I, I'm not worried about that. Uh, and I guess to answer your question, and again, I'm going to shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, but I think it really hurts to have Diego Castillo not being who he was in like 2019, 2020. I think especially like 2019. Um, he's been, I've been wanting someone to write this for a while. Maybe I'll just fucking write it. Um, to not have Diego Castillo and to not use fucking Eric Swanson. Um, so I'm trying to think, uh, who, yeah. And just Penn Murphy's not himself. I, I think, I think you can really make the argument that you could have gone out and got, you know, a, a stud reliever, even if it hurts in terms of what you're giving up. Um, just so you're you're replacing Vesta and and Murphy and like you haven't used have they used Boyd? I don't think so. 
They've barely used Boyd. I don't think they want to. His the, velocity hasn't really come all the way back. No, he, they haven't used him in the postseason okay. at all. No. <clears throat> I mean, he looked good in his last game of, I think, the post or the regular season. But um, he's had flashes. His numbers are pretty pedestrian and he's not throwing very hard. I think that they don't trust him with leverage, which is, you know, is the is the thing we're talking about. They have a bunch of guys who they're fine with soaking up innings if need be, but they don't trust with leverage. And I think that that's sort of the issue at hand. Um, and yeah. all teams would like to have more good relief pitchers. This is not. We should just have uncommon. more good baseball players. Simply. Yeah. yeah have the Mariners tried that. Oh, OK. <laughs> Uh, last thing I'll say too is if you have a righty with like a Karen track release point, that's basically a lefty, you know, like functionally. Are we saying good things about James Karen on this podcast? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess, uh, in terms of splits, something that's important to talk about is like, if you're really out to the side, if you're like a side armor, Penn Murphy is going to have really, I guess I can use him as a, a case example. He's going to have really extreme splits because righties see him really late and lefties see him really early. Um, mm-hmm. So I think arm slot is, is really helps dictate. I think he actually has reverse splits, <laughs> uh, but he's kind of a freak. Yeah, it's kind of small sample size, but yeah, his uh, his K minus walk percentage. I'm full of shit. <laughs> uh, man, yeah. But that, generally speaking, that's that's a that's a trend. So, another thing to think about. There's, I would love to help. The Mariners should hire me just so I can. I'll just help them with bullpen design. That's all I want to do. It's so fun. It's so fun. And then you'll get frustrated when it doesn't work because sometimes it just doesn't work. Fucking bastards. <laughs> can I can I ask you guys? I guess we're kind of divulging away from this. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking your, your role here, Evan. But um, Oh, no, it's all good. <laughs> this is kind of getting into a little bit of off-season talk, which may or may not be relevant by the time people are listening to this. But are there guys who's for, for whom you've changed your opinions on them because of what they have done this postseason. And I'm thinking specifically of like the guys who the Mariners will have to make decisions about this what, Adam Frazier. So, so Adam Frazier, Carlos Santana and Mitch Hanniger, Mitch Hanniger. I think are the big yeah. three. So do you guys have any, have you changed your, your mindset on whether the Mariners should bring them back Ooh. based on what they've done this postseason? My mind has not changed because I was an, a hard no on all three of those anyway. Wow. And okay. I don't I don't think any of them have played particularly well. So, no. Well, Adam Frazier has played very well. He had that big hit against Toronto. I That's mean, like... It, has he done anything he has, against Astros? I think he's had, he's had some singles here and there. He's had, he some, he's had some line outs. Yeah. And he's had some singles. Who was I talking about? I think I was talking about Aaron, one of our listeners, one of my pals. Um, I really think it's we've seen a league wide, you know, reduction in Woba. Uh, I think he's really been someone when you think about guys who suffer, it's guys with really marginal power. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it doesn't get more marginal. Jesse Winker. (laughs) Winker has power. I have talked to people that have much more like high level stats than I do because I'm I wrote an article about him. Actually, I guess we haven't talked about that, but I think I think clearly his bat path has been I wrote, you know, that it's been um, it's different and it's worse. And someone I know basically is like, um, you know, that. That is true. There's we have uh, metrics that that say you know it's it's wonky, um, and that it's different from last year and the year before, um, and clearly those results have followed. Um, but like Fraser really depends on, um, you know he he'll get balls to the gaps but he really depends on you know the the flares or burners that uh, savant calls them and, and maybe those are down um 
I'll just look it up now. If, um, if I may, real quick, a, yeah, yeah, a big yeah. part of answering this question, both as it relates to Frazier, but in, in general, not just for, for the Mariners, but for the league wide is what's the deal with the dead ball? Because I think when we're looking at these players, we're looking at Frazier, we're looking at Winker, we're looking at, even as it relates to guys who really thrived this year, I think when you look at Sam Haggerty and Dylan Moore and some of the, like, the inflated numbers on their stats, um, there's a pretty strong correlation that guys who played the same as last year were much more valuable this year. If they were faster, if they had better, you know, if their defense was good. Um, even Suarez. Suarez's numbers are not nearly as good as the last time he put up a four and a half win season. It's just that he was getting the ball over the fence and so many other people weren't. So it's a real consideration and, and nobody has a good answer to this. We certainly don't. We can't sit here and say, yeah, they're going to, they're going to change the ball back next year and we should do whatever it was that made people good in 2019 or 2021. We have, we have genuinely no idea. And I don't think the Mariners do either. And I don't think major league baseball is inclined to tell anyone what they're going to do. Um, but it is a factor because I think that that robbed Winker and Frazier of substantial value this year. And if that's going to be the case going forward, this is their new normal. You know what I mean? It was just kind of been my argument all along. If this is how they are with this ball, this is what we should expect. If they're going to get 20% more hits next year because the ball comes off the bat different, they're different players fundamentally. Um, yeah. Continue with Adam Frazier. Well, and, and his numbers, like he has, so I think the thing to think about with Frazier is like he had a career year last year and I don't know that anyone thought that he was going to repeat it, but you know, he, he's kind of the pendulum swung back to, you know, in terms of ex-Wilba, like this is a career worst year. Um, so I don't think that you play around with Frazier. Uh, I, I think he is a good, again, like kind of case study in terms of he has been fine um, and he's come on strong as of late. The composition of the ball really affects players. And this is, I mean, Woba's the lowest it's been since probably in the past 10 years. Um, I saw someone posting about it. I haven't really looked into it, but like, I think Adam Frazier type players are very valuable. Like he's 90th percentile and outs above average. Um, he controls his own. The Mariners really care about that. And Jerry Depot is right. Players or teams that win championships have Adam Frazier's on their team. They have Adam Frazier starting on their team. I think you just go out and get an Adam Frazier type player that can hit the ball a little harder, um, which I don't think would be exceptionally difficult to do um so you know if you want to bring him back next year as a bench player i'm fine with that um but that's where i stand too and i don't think he would be super expensive <clears throat> like i imagine they could get him for less than 10 million on a year a one-year deal and that's you know what that's what separates the mariners from from other teams is in the playoffs yeah anything can happen i think i saw maybe jay jaff um clement someone from fangraphs post um uh correlations basically between um your season seasonal winning percentage and your postseason winning percentage it's only like 30 percent. it's very low but you know uh, having who's the second baseman for the astros i can't even think um altuve Oh yeah, <laughs> having having a a Fraser versus an Altuve is uh, you know that's that's a pretty wide you know that's a pretty wide gap. And sure, obviously I mean, it's you not think of it this thing, way. But... You think of it this way: the Mariners have two positional advantages against the Astros, which is center field and catcher, and that's it, right? I mean, you could argue France over Guriel, but I think it's close. Um, and everywhere else, it's a pretty clear win for Houston. I mean, I, that, I think that's, I mean, you just got to get, you got to, you got to, the Mariners have done this thing where they have plenty of players who are good enough. They have plenty of players who are average at their positions, but they need to 
They need to do what they did with Robinson Cano and need to turn a hole into a star, right? And I think that's why second base is such a big thing for us this winter is because second base looks like a hole for us. Um, Isn't that, though, that's the, that's an argument against keeping Frazier, to my mind, well, because no, you just said me, we were going to you said we were going to put Frazier on the bench, but he's yes. competing. If he's going to be a bench player, a bench infield outfield replacement, he's competing against Abe Toro, against Dylan Moore and against uh, Sam Haggerty, Sam Haggerty, two of whom outplayed him this year. And with the, the new ball factors, two of those guys in Haggerty and Demo at face value are more likely to be good again than him because That's they have all they have defensive value and they have that added base running speed. Element I mean, that has been really critical. And I Demo's think was, hit pretty well. Besides, these that. are these are career years for Dylan Moore and, and Sam Haggerty, if you ask me. I mean, are, for Haggerty, I would agree for, for Haggerty, Moore, but the thing is their value is more because they're fast and they play defense. That's why their their numbers are up this year, really. Demo, the hitting is is better this year, but it's not like it's not way out of what I would expect for him. I am taking the under on a two point one war season and a one twenty six WRC plus. I, I agree, but he can be a one hundred WRC plus. Which is his career. <laughs> his his career. Yeah, WRC so there plus. you go. Like that's fine. That, that I think that predicates not keeping Frazier around. He plays better defense than Frazier. I mean the thing is that's that's a one hundred WRC plus, but that's coming against well, I guess it, uh, he he probably faces a fair amount of lefties. Um, I don't know. He's 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 pretty limited against righties, and he mostly faces righties. Um, to answer your question, Santana and Frazier should probably just be gone. Hanniger, I mean, you can't trust him down the stretch. If you can replace his bat, gone. If not, we'll talk. <laughs> I guess Isn't the short question. answer for Hanniger to get somebody like Benintendi, which is like a fundamentally similar player uh, who just hasn't been injured? Because those exist. Aaron Judge. <laughs> yes. Is Benintendi a free agent? Yes. I don't. I don't know if I want him. I, What's I, the I, difference? He, <laughs> honestly, you you probably do that. He's a durable player. He posted three WAR basically this year with He's no basically power no power yo no power no power guess Tanniger's what could be cheaper too can guess what so ben Tenney's average is 304 guess what his slugging percentage is uh, oh low 430. Uh, lower than that i'm gonna Down. guess i'm gonna guess like 370 something 399 his iso is 95 <laughs> that's insane maybe you don't do that that's pretty bad <laughs> that's pretty he's the new bad. adam frazier Good okay, God. here's a question for you guys. We're I'm making you decide right now without knowing any more. Not well, you, you can't know more information than you know right now, and you have to decide. You get to give the starting right field spot to Mitch Hanniger or Cade Marlowe. Uh, Hanniger. If you want to win, it has to be Mitch, right? Cade's never played in the major leagues as much <laughs> as we like him, and I do like he's interesting. He's an interesting prospect. You're sick. That may have been a sicko question. <laughs> yeah, you're a sicko. <laughs> That's sickening. I think more interesting question is how much do you sign Mitch for? Because well, I think they don't need to sign him for more than like one nine, one year, one eight million dollars. Yeah, that might be what it takes. You could do like one year, eight million, and then like a two year team option for like thirty or something, maybe if he gets better options. But I don't. I don't even know. I don't so, know if he's going to get any real offers, honestly. No, so, he's Solaire, not been hitting well, and he's 32 years old. Solaire got mm-hmm. 336, so maybe like two. But Mitch, Mitch has not been good this year, really. Yeah. And he has been healthy. You know who hasn't been good either? It's Jorge Solaire. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still think that contract is wild for Solaire. The Solaire contract? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what they're doing over there. That's like a that's like what the Mariners would have done in like 2013, and we would have been like, "What the what the fuck?" Oh God, they're, they're well, gonna have to do a lot this off season, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Seattle. Yeah. Okay, so let's. <laughs> so you guys on Look at Landing talked about. I think John said, you know, the rotation could be exactly the same, and that'd be fine. I think that that might be smart because they should use their resources on the lineup. So I think. 
maybe you trade one of Gonzalez and Flexen, and I think they might be tipping their hand that that's kind of the plan because neither of them is on the postseason roster. So I think one of those is going to be a salary dump. I mean, we already know the Phillies were inquiring about Gonzalez this summer. Um, so regardless, forgot about that. You you trade one of those guys, maybe sheds a little bit of salary. Um, and then you, I think I, I really do think they're going to make a positional splash. And I think that this run that they're on right now is going to help them in two ways. One ownership now has dollar signs in their eyes because they see all the merch that they've sold (laughs) in the last two weeks (laughs) by being good. Um, and two is the fact that we can now actually convince players that we care and that we're good and like hey we just signed julio to a big deal we just signed castillo to a big deal and look we're already in the playoffs so you might get the kind of trevor story benefit of the doubt deal that he wouldn't have signed with us that he did sign with boston which is hilarious by the way that he signed with boston because he thought they were going to make the playoffs (laughs) and he wouldn't sign with seattle um but yeah, I think I, th- I think they're going to make a big splash, and I think it's more likely to be like a Turner than a or a Correa than a Judge, for obvious reasons. But I think Judge is going to get a lot of money. Up. He's going to be Seattle a rich Mariners man. starting twenty twenty three second baseman Gene Segura. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> no, for real though. I've been looking at the free agent list. He makes like a lot of sense, both financially there's, and in terms of just, like the player pay. There's no way. The <laughs> there's no way he'll come back. If it was anybody else it, but those same numbers, I'd be like, it's a no brainer. But just because it's him, I don't think so. But yeah, Gene, he like. Gene. I, that's what I don't and... want them to do. I don't want them to make those little half measures. I don't need another two and a half win player at second base. That's really, I, yeah. I think you're going to be disappointed then. Who do you think I they'll will. get? <clears throat> I want Trey Turner. <laughs> we would. I would Gray. really like. Where, yeah. Where do you, one of those where do you put really Trey nice. Turner though? Second base. I mean, he said. Or you put JP at second base. Let me Sorry, look at his did you, did, have you seen Trey Turner this postseason? He's made like four errors at shortstop <laughs> already. Yeah. He well, he's 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 pretty much said he's not comfortable at second base. He might be fine there, but he said he's not comfortable. Well, Perry Hill. I will wonder make him if two hundred and fifty million Maybe. would make him comfortable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> two hundred fifty million in a, in a in a private session with Perry Hill. I mean, uh, that's that's pretty tough. Um, that's that's pretty risky. Trey Turner at at twenty nine, best skill is his outlier speed. I don't trust Correa. I don't think Correa. I think Correa. Sorry, I think he's overrated. It's not that he's overrated. It's that he has back injuries from a young age, and we're worried right. that at any given moment he might be Pujolst and he like might cut not himself be able in to half. play anymore. Yeah. I would rather have Correa than Turner, specifically. I just, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It makes me nervous. Like it, his. You you want to to get players that skills will age well. He's a fine hitter, but like he chases a fair amount. He's pretty average by whiffs. Um, his exit velos aren't great. Like his max exit velos are pretty good, but his barrels are only above average. I mean, you have to think about it this uh, way too. The Dodgers are not cheap and they're not stupid. They would have signed him by now if they really wanted to keep him. I agree with that, actually. I well, think that they have hedged their bets elsewhere. They also have, like, fucking six superstars. <laughs> also true. <laughs> so, hey, um, I do want to yeah. point this out, though, real quick, because you said that. Durs, we have been talking all this year about how Jared couldn't get in a bat for this team. And the Mariners... I said it would happen, by the way. I you said, said it would happen. You said it would happen. You guys wanna, called me sicko. I want to park on this for a sec, though, because... I want to point out, I actually tweeted this about a week ago, that the Mariners are the new paradigm for a prospect rebuild. Really, they are, especially with Julio at the front and with, with Kirby and with, with Gilbert and just back-to-back and years Munoz. of... And Munoz. You know, big picks and big investments paying off down the line. The Mariners are the paradigm for this. But one important way that they have become that paradigm is by having prospects to fill gaps. And they did that with Jared. 
Like Jared wasn't supposed to be starting in the postseason. That was supposed to be last year's all-star player, Jesse Winker, who got injured at the the very last second of the season, last series, like second to last game, right? It was the very end. But mm-hmm. Jared, we who do we fill that with? Jared Kelnick. So the Mariners did the thing that we have been praising the Dodgers on this podcast for doing all this time, like with Gavin Lux, which is not giving them a spot and letting them be a fill-in and be a surprise. He's been okay. He's not been good. I think most, you know, his numbers still suck, but this is what we want, right? We want the team to have prospects to fill holes, and they have done that. That was a tangent. Sorry. Oh, I thought this was going to relate back to second base somehow. No, that was just because <laughs> you've mentioned before, you've given the Gavin Lux example several times of like, you mm. don't give them a spot. You let them, you let them fill in when the team doesn't have better players. That's what they've done, and that's what we've wanted, and we want prospects like Taylor Trammell too. Taylor Trammell is a fill-in and he's a good prospect and that's exactly the role we want him in. So good for the Mariners, good for baseball, good for us as a fan base. This is what we want to see, right? Yeah. I l- listen, I'm I'm happy with the way the team is being built right now and um I'm definitely optimistic looking ahead to 2023. My one thing is that nothing is guaranteed, right? There is no guarantee the Mariners are making the playoffs again with this core. They may never make it again with Cal Raleigh and with Julio. And like, there is that possibility. And I I know it sucks to hear that, especially because you may be listening to this after the Mariners have been eliminated. But, you know, I, regardless of that fact, I'm happy with the direction of this team and I feel good about their chances to be better next year. Give me both of you guys, give me a player you think will be better next year and a player you think will be worse who are sticking around. So nobody who's leaving. I'm I'm cashing in all my bets on Jesse Winker being better in 2023. I'll agree with that and just, just you know, not be boring. I'll say Jared Kelnick. And I like that. Worse, I mean, we already said Sam Haggerty, so I'm not going to count him. I'm going to sadly say Eugenio Suarez. I, I think this is probably his career year with Seattle. I don't think he's going to be bad per se, but I think we might see him go back to being like a two win player instead of a four and a half win player. Even like a three and a half win player would still be a step down and a really good player. So yeah. Right. Yeah. I think I'm going to go Cal Raleigh. Ah, yeah. I worry about also, this. Also my answer. Um, It's just a, a, a bit of a precarious pro- profile, you know, um, I think I th- I kind of think over the offseason teams I don't, I don't know necessarily why they haven't already. If I I don't know why teams don't throw fastballs against him upstairs. Um cuz he hasn't shown the ability to really hit them. I yeah, lots of pop-ups, lots of fly balls. Um I just think, you know, if the difference between like he's really home run reliant. Also hits, you know, a fair amount of doubles, but the difference between two of his home runs turning into flyouts kind of I don't know if it craters him, but uh it it'll really affect his his, you know, his slugging, his overall line. So I'll I'll say Raleigh. And by the way, the Mariners lineup dropped Julio, France, Suarez, uh, Raleigh, Hanniger, Santana, Frazier, Kelnick, Crawford. New new lineup just dropped. Very, very <laughs> I love them getting to... Jared in there. Yeah. I think um, this is the same lineup as they have been running out recently. So pretty much. Um and I I wanna say, you know, I I think the Mariners match up pretty well against uh McCullers. Um this might be a cold takes exposed by the time yeah. people are hearing this. Well, I think uh, I I kind of think today is is uh, I think it's Kelnick. Kelnick's gonna. I think Kelnick will have a good day. Kelnick. I, I'm going to say for the Raleigh. record right here, I think the Mariners will have won Game Three. We're just let's get all your hot takes out, Evan. Go. I'm getting, listen, if you're, I think they this, win you, today. I, you're, you're I think they like, win today. Yes, like I think they, they win today and lose the next game. Right now. Oh, they they win laughed. one playoff home game. Oh, septum piercing hurts. Oh, <laughs> can't laugh. Okay. Um, yeah, septum piercing sounds a lot more like naughty than it actually is. 
septum piercing. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, uh, do we yeah. have anything else for today? We got... Yeah, we're at an hour. Do we have anything else? Do we have final hot takes before potentially the last game of the season here? Fuck the Astros. Fuck the Astros. Fuck Jordan Alvarez, who is so cool, but if if he wasn't an Astro, I would love him so much. He is such a cool player. Good for him, man. He is like he has like zero knees, and he's still a fucking superstar. Dude, a 185 WRC plus over 560 plate appearances is batshit. Like, that's so unreal. Which that's is like, funny because that's just like Trout. Like, <laughs> yeah, but he yeah. did it with like elite defense and speed back in the day. The True. Astros also got him as a player to be named later for like a throwaway reliever and turn him into a superstar in like two years, which is hilarious. Oh, the Dodgers. I would like to say, well, so yeah, I'm I am calling my shot. I am saying that Kirby has the best game of any starter against the Astros. I think Kalnick and Raleigh have good games. Um, I would like to shout out UFCW three thousand. Uh, oh yeah, the Mariners retail workers are unionized. Um, and I think that. I have heard from sources that uh, Paul Seawald's quote in, in, you know, solidarity standing with the, the workers played a role. So it's pretty fucking cool, man. Let's go Seawald. Um, yeah, that man rules. He's uh, I don't know if you all have noticed he's off of Twitter. I think he. Um, yeah, because he got harassed, right? I think it was he before. was off Twitter before that. Yeah, he, he oh, left. Okay with no explanation before that people didn't notice until they went to harass him yeah. go figure but has that been happening people. has he been like yes that's so stupid i um, thought our fan base was immune from that shit but apparently no not. man no one's immune in 2022 it's just the way people are crazy you would think um, that and... after 21 years of no playoffs people would learn to just be fucking happy no, with the no, fact no. that their team made the playoffs. And the, anyway. the thing to remember about some of that, some of it definitely is adults being toxic. There is a lot of that, and I know this because I was a middle schooler once upon a time, is like actual children. Uh, and oh, my nose. As much as it sucks, like you gotta you gotta roll with the punches a little bit. What I would oh, say in God. conclusion today is that my favorite moment of the postseason um was in a loss. It was that <laughs> is that the air quality index yeah, again? Yeah, it's we're all joking out here. I'm yeah, Durs, I'm so glad you left because it is just absolutely miserable here. Yeah, sorry, but, um, folks. <laughs> the my favorite moment of the year of the postseason so far was when um, Jared doubled, got the hustle double. I want to say, and then Julio doubled him in. This was during the the Houston loss a couple days ago. Um, I've been waiting all year for the dynamic speed of Jared and Julio to show up at the same time. They had home runs in the same game back in April, I'm pretty sure. But like since then, we almost exclusively haven't gotten to see them play together very much at all. Um, but that was a really exciting moment for me because getting to see the prospects be themselves and kind of materialize simultaneously is something I, I have missed this year. So um, looking for that today, I'd love to see Jared be on base and Julio get him in or, you know, doesn't really happen vice versa because the way the, the lineup is constructed. But um, yeah, that would be cool. Uh, let's wrap it there for today. So I have time to get this up. Um, we don't have any questions. It appears Zach Abel and Azriel are just saying hi. Um, so I'm Evan. Hey, you guys. can find me on Twitter at Evan James Audio. You can find Anders at Anders Jorstad and Mikey at underscore Kuya Mikey. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you could podcast, wherever it is you stream. Additionally, please support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash neversony in Seattle. I'll also put the Discord link uh, in the descriptions, wherever it is you're listening. Thank you. Go Mariners. Win out, right? Win out. Win out. <laughs>